Okay, let's borrow hits. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for another day just to gather together as your children and do this wonderful thing to circle around your word, to uh, humbly listen to what your spirit has to say to us. We thank you for your spirit and your word that reveals the truth to us in this deceptive world. Father, we pray for those who are sick and can't be here tonight. We ask that you comfort them and let them know that we're with them in spirit. And Father, most of all, we are grateful and thankful for your Son, Jesus Christ, to make eternal life possible for us sinners. That by grace, through faith, you save those who humbly turn to you. Father, we ask your blessing upon this message. Guide us and teach us. We ask all these things based on the merits of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, Family Discipline Applied, Part 2. So uh, hopefully you enjoyed Sunday's message, and uh, I had to share a few personal things. He didn't let me get too personal, but uh, that that's where this series came from, uh, a personal experience with discipline. So let's continue our thought process from Sunday. We started with two basic principles, uh, the first one on the board regarding family discipline applied. The faithfulness of our God disciplines us when we need it out of his tremendous love for us. Uh, we shouldn't get familiar with that connection on the board. And hopefully we, we are fully aware of that connection on the board. What am I talking about? If you've been reading your Bibles, you've noticed that love and faithfulness are often paired together. Not just regarding discipline, but just how God treats his people in love and faithfulness. And it's no different with discipline. The Old Testament often speaks of the steadfast love and faithfulness of our God. And our second basic principle that we started out with on Sunday on the board regarding family discipline applied, godly discipline ensures we don't just waste our lives away and have regrets for all eternity. Uh, I just think big picture, right? We're here for a few days on earth compared to eternity. Godly discipline ensures we don't just waste our lives away and have regrets for all eternity. That is another picture of God's faithfulness. So by the love and faithfulness of God, we will be disciplined when necessary to get us back on track, to get us back on the path of glorifying God so that we don't totally live for ourselves. And this is really for our own benefit, for our own sanctification which lasts for eternity. God sanctifies us, even experientially. And where we, uh, where we grow to in this life is going to be something that has eternal repercussions in heaven. Yes, all true believers are in heaven. They will be sanctified by, by grace, by position. But the wisdom that we have, the relationship we have, the love that we have with God, by the time we die in this life, is going to be something that continues in heaven that other people honestly won't have. They won't have that understanding. They won't have that intimate relationship already. And we're going to carry that forward. And it has eternal repercussions. So instead of growing weary when we are disciplined, which is the temptation, right? In our flesh, we grow weary. We lose heart. Instead of growing weary when we are disciplined, we should remember the big picture. What's the big picture on the board? We're on a mission. This cuts through everything. All the details of life. We are on a mission. We have the greatest purpose we could ever imagine in life. 
to bring God glory in all that we do and to reach out to others with the good news of eternal life. Could there be a greater assignment? Could there be a, be a greater purpose to waking up every day? And we know it. There's no mystery for us. There's no um, wondering if this is why we're here on earth. We know this is why we're here. So God's made it very clear to us through his word, thank God. And we've got to fall back on the big picture when we're going through things we don't like, including discipline. So think about it this way. Our Heavenly Father doesn't want us to miss out on any opportunities to grow and be sanctified in this life. I mean, what good father would want his kids to miss out on growth opportunities? And by the grace of God, he will help us choose rightly throughout our lives, even using discipline when our flesh is given to laziness and lusts. Because he's faithful, right? So I hope more and more everybody listening to these messages sees God's discipline as coming from his faithfulness and love. Because then you, uh, you know, it's almost like a kid when being disciplined by his parents, right? Oh, they don't love me, right? That's the first reaction. The emotional, uncomfortable, this is painful. They don't love me. But then when you step back and you start to grow up, you realize, ooh, they actually do love me. Even though I might disagree, I know where their heart is. And I know this is for my good. So as we mature as God's kids, as came out on Sunday, we should have that perspective. God's faithful and loving. That's where discipline comes from, and it's good. So last month, God was so faithful to me that I was in a lot of pain. <laughs> but it was good. It really was good. It was mostly from my own poor decisions. It led me to pray more, and I mean really pray, and to seek him with all my heart on the issues that I was facing. And if we cut to the chase, it comes down to this on the board. God, our Father, loves us way more than we can imagine. He will only let us ignore him or go through the motions for so long before he faithfully acts aggressively on our behalf. And I've seen a couple examples of this in my own life in just the past six months. I'm not going to tell you, but it was very personal and, and it was very um, obvious that it was from him. He acted aggressively in my life in a couple of areas that I had to take notice. And I'm very thankful for that. But just remember, with the point on the board, we can be ignoring God in certain areas of our life and still be coming to Bible class and still be reading our Bibles and praying sometimes and we could still be ignoring him or going through the motions in certain areas of our lives. So don't think uh, you're all good if you've been consistent with, with the Word of God because we all have areas in our lives where we kind of ignore him or we uh, rationalize our way out of facing and confronting something that we know we're probably not spot on with, to be kind. So in a matter of one short week, God had my full attention. And even under pressure, we fall back on the truth of the Word of God. And that God brings all things together for good for those who love Him. Even if, listen, if we're being disciplined, it's because he loves us, right? Hebrews 12. So he brings all things together for good for those who love him, even during the painful or pressured times of discipline. We fall back on the truth of the word of God. And that gives us peace. So turn again to uh, Romans 8, verse 26. Let's just read this passage through again as kind of a, a refresher and an introduction, a mindset towards this subject. It's such a wonderful passage in context. Romans 8, 26 through 30. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. 
For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. So, to be conformed to the image of his Son is a process experientially. Now, thank God, he has already done all the things in that passage for us, positionally, right? Predestined, called, justified, even glorified. He's already done that for us because of our relationship with Christ, being adopted. But experientially, this is a process. To experience this and glorify God in our actual lives day to day is a process, and it takes discipline to team up with us, if you will. We need it uh, desperately at times. So God gives us the opportunity to bring him the most glory in our lives. And so he gives us time and lessons and the chance to repent and grow and change our lifestyles in areas that we need it. And thank God, as also came out on Sunday, he promises to complete the good work in us in Philippians 1 and 2. Thank God, right? Whew. That is such a sigh of relief to me that to know he completes the good work in us in the end, even though we pff, muck it all up along the way, right? And we have to be disciplined and we have to learn the hard way. So this includes family discipline, though, applied to our lives. That's one way of many, that God works all things out together for good for those who love him, and that God completes the good work in us. Divine discipline. So again, we must learn to thank God for this. Why? Well, on the board, we're talking about being sanctified in this life. How else would we grow and be conformed to the image of Christ without his hand upon us at times? Just think about being conformed to the image of Christ. That's like, that's impossible for fleshly sinners to be conformed to the image of Christ unless God intervenes and does a divine work. How else is he going to do that without his hand upon us at times, interrupting our fleshly persuasions, to put it nicely? At the same time, Again, we fall back on his promises, right? We're kind of going back and forth. It's like a tennis match here with the word of God where we have this necessary discipline that is uncomfortable but for our good. And then we know he promises to work all things out for good. And then we also know he promises not to give us more than we can handle. So see, we have this wonderful balance of a disciplinary and, and gracious father, right? And we have the word to fall back on even when we go through uncomfortable times. Again, the point on the board, it's about getting us to point B. God's like, I'm not, I'm not content with you being at point A. I want you to bring me glory, and you're going to be so grateful, and you're going to be a witness in front of people and in front of angels, in front of Satan. You're going to be a witness with your life to bring glory to me when you can't even see me. And I'm going to take you from point A to point B. How else would we grow and be conformed to the image of Christ without his hand upon us at times, referring to discipline, interrupting our fleshly persuasions? And he does all of this, remember, in mysterious ways to us. And what I love is he seems to do it a different way every time. Like God doesn't need to repeat himself, not even once. And if, you have, if you've been a believer for any amount of time, you know he approaches you, hits you, wakes you up, whatever you want to say, in different ways every time. Something about him being infinite, right? 
He doesn't have any, um, <laughs> he never runs out of options, of ideas, of unique approaches. And because he knows us so well, he knows what's right for each one of us in the moment too. Thank God. So, a little perspective on discipline. We saw this on Sunday on the board. When it's time for you to receive discipline from God or from his appointed authorities, humbly receive it for what it is. Something good, something you need. I hope, like I said on Sunday, that you grab onto this principle with all your heart. That you change your mind, maybe about how you used to look at discipline, or even be about being corrected. We're going to get to that at the end of the message. So turn again in your Bibles to uh, Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12. Again, this passage is just a wonder to me. And it is more so now because I was what I went through last month in terms of discipline. It used to be more academic to me. And now it's something that I actually experienced, which adds to your wisdom, right, when you go through things. So God wants us all to hear this perspective and take benefit from my failures and what I'm trying to share with you through the Holy Spirit. And I'm very happy to do so. Before we get to our passage in Hebrews 12, look at the next point on the board. Family discipline applied. Our Father has shown me an unfaithful, selfish sinner that he loves me enough to knock me around and show me the truth about myself. We should be really grateful when people, God or people in our lives, are willing to show us the truth about ourselves because there's certain areas that we won't and don't want to admit to. But God loves us so much he doesn't want us to be or remain deceived in any area of our life, right? I mean, if you were a good father like God, if you were a perfect father, you wouldn't want your kids to be in the dark about any area of life. And so he's faithful. And then he gives you the peaceful fruit of righteousness as a result of going through the discipline and responding. So we're getting into the idea of family discipline applied and what you can look forward to, <laughs> right? Again, that's another area where I hope, I hope we all just change the way we look at discipline and actually start to look forward to it because we know it's a very good thing in the end, very good thing, and we need it desperately. So look at Hebrews 12, verse 3. And we're just going to read through this passage quickly. And I challenge you to read this passage with me right now like it's the first time you ever read it. Okay? Hebrews 12, 3. Consider him, Jesus, who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have, have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitim illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, our earthly fathers, as it seemed best to them, but he, God, disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. In other words, stop growing weary that we read about earlier. 
And make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. What a wonderful passage. On the board, we talked about the good from discipline. God's plan includes training us and healing us, and that takes discipline at times because we don't see our blind spots, but God does. We all had a good laugh on Sunday because we can all think of people in our lives that we can see their weak spot, but they won't admit to it, right? Probably a few people in our lives we could think of like that, that we know their weak spot, we know something they don't see, but they refuse to admit they have a problem in that area. And it's, it's sad, right? You, won't, you want to help them, but they won't listen. Well, guess what? That's you. And that's me. We all have that problem. And God in his faithfulness will see to it that eventually we see so that we can escape the slavery to it. So we might summarize that idea like this. Just always remain humble. And God will work out all things together for good in your life. Just always remain humble. That, it comes back to that, right? The secret of the spiritual life. Be humble. If you just stay in that sphere, if you just stay there and don't, don't stray out and be arrogant about anything, if you stay humble, God's going to work all things out in your life and it's going to be much easier and less painful discipline. So as you read Hebrews 12, I hope you see the goodness that God is after in our lives. It's all for our benefit and for our peace. And it's also to experience being untouchable. One of Pastor's recent blogs about being untouchable, knowing God's love for you and God's faithfulness towards you, that's something that's indescribable. That's the peace of God that goes beyond all comprehension. That's what Philippians 4, verse 7 says. The peace of God goes beyond all comprehension. If the peace of God goes beyond all comprehension, then that means we can't comprehend it on our own, correct? We can't. So we need help. And sometimes that help needs to be, be dramatic. It needs to wake us up out of our stupors. And there is the value of faithful discipline from God our Father. Priceless. And yes, it will be painful at times, but the peaceful fruit of righteousness that it bears in our lives is going to be well worth it. So let's just read Hebrews 12, verses 3 through 6 again. And then we'll go on here and expound on that. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, like he did. And you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. Again, this is an encouragement about discipline. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. So on the board, we ended with this on Sunday regarding the good from discipline. The Spirit wants us to see discipline as a very good thing and, in fact, as something that brings us relief. Relief. Not while we're going through it, but the peaceful fruit of righteousness is a form of the relief that God gives you, grants you, that you grow into and get to experience. So pause and think about this for a minute on the board. I hope you did on Sunday. That was what the Spirit was nudging us to do as we left. The fact that God's discipline is not only a very good thing, but something that brings us relief. From what, you might ask? How about relief from living for self? How about relief from that curse that we keep on our own lives because we're stubborn? 
We're miserable because we do it to ourselves. But through discipline, God pushes us to surrender. At least in another area of our lives that we've been faulty. He pushes us to surrender. And that act of surrendering, when we truly do it from the heart, brings relief in the end. Relief from the stubbornness of the flesh, release uh, from the chains, relief from the chains in that area of our lives. And David knew this. Turn in your Bibles to uh, Psalm 23. David knew this about God and his discipline, and he loved God for it. He loved God for it, for discipline, as part of his training that God gave him. Psalm 23. Let's just look at verse 4 for now. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod speaks of discipline. The staff is like a little more friendly guidance. The rod speaks of discipline. We talked on Sunday about the shepherd tending his sheep in the field, and there's a sheep about to go off the cliff, and and the shepherd whacks him on the head right before he's going to go off the cliff. The sheep didn't know he was going off the cliff, obviously, right? But the shepherd in his faithfulness had to use the rod to wake him up and to turn his direction. David loved God for this part of his training as well. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He loved God's direction and correction because David was humble. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was the king of Israel, I I probably wouldn't be so humble. If I was the king of anything, I probably wouldn't be so humble. David was humble, and he knew he didn't know it all. He knew he didn't know it all. He had it all in terms of earthly situations and blessings. He even knew he had God on his side, but he knew he didn't know it all. And because he remained in that sphere of humility, he accepted and even loved God for the discipline that he needed at times. He knew God was faithful. What a wonderful perspective to grab onto and uh, be set free by. So here's a different analogy to consider. How are diamonds made from a lump of ugly coal? They say... It comes from pressure and heat and a lot of time. Pressure and heat and time. God, by grace, gives us all of these in our lives. On the board, regarding the good from discipline. By grace, he often takes his time with us. Thank God for that, right? Whew! That's one of the things I thank him for daily in my prayers. Like, thank you for your patience and your gentleness with me. Um, He often takes his time with us being patient and long-suffering. But when it's time, and just the right time in our lives, and he knows, he is faithful to apply some heat and pressure to conform us to the image of his Son, to become more like Jesus Christ, So we should learn to look forward to it and even love it like David did. We would be wise to learn to welcome pressure and heat and not run from it. Is it unpleasant in the moment? Is it uncomfortable? Yes, according to Hebrews 12. It was quite unpleasant for me in my week of discipline. But I can honestly say by the grace of God it was good and I'm thankful. And I needed it. So again, the point on the board is the good from discipline. By grace, he often takes his time with us, being patient and long-suffering. But when it's time, just the right time in our lives, he is faithful to apply some heat and pressure to conform us to the image of his son. Remember again, David said, 
God's rod and staff comforted him. And we've talked about ultimately experiencing relief from being disciplined. Kind of like a child that now knows his boundaries with his parents. He didn't like being disciplined, but now he has security. He knows his parents are right there. He knows the box that he needs to stay in. If you go beyond this line, you're in trouble. And there's a security and even a relief that a child has knowing his parents are there like that for him. Right? Just relate it. God wants us to have that kind of relief and security, knowing God has placed his boundaries even his hand upon us. And something the Spirit brought up on Sunday to think about is that this is also similar to the result of repentance in our lives. The results of repentance in our lives. Let me ask you, just think about this. When you need to repent of something wrong in your life, is it not difficult or painful? Like repentance means change your mind and turn around. But when you're going one way, and you might even have a one-track mind, you don't want to turn around. Your flesh definitely doesn't want to turn around. Aren't you first in denial of your sin and failure? And then you have to humbly admit you're wrong? How many people like that? It's painful because we're naturally arrogant. So what's the result of repenting? True repentance. Is it not also relief? Is it not also peace? On the board, the good from discipline. When we surrender to God and His wisdom and love for us, we are set free. Are we not? It's an oxymoron there, right? When you surrender, that the world, that's not a good thing. You're surrendering, you're giving up. You're saying you can't do it? Well, if it's to the king of the universe, it's a very good thing. It's a very wise thing. When we surrender to God, we're set free by it. Because the flesh had us in chains. And now it's no longer there. We're no longer in those chains. We have relief from no longer being stubborn and living for ourselves. And that requires discipline sometimes. When we admit how bad we are and stop being defensive when God uses someone to tell us we're out of line, we're set free, aren't we? We're relieved. We might literally and willingly say to God, wow, I suck, but God is great. And you know what? Just think about if, when you honestly say that to God, between you and him, when you honestly from the heart say that to God, boy, Lord, I'm sorry, I suck, I'm horrible. But you are great. Thank you for your mercy. When you do that, didn't you just have the burdens come off your shoulders? You were just relieved of this thing you were trying to maintain on yourself, maybe. You were trying to please God in your own power, maybe. You were just relieved from that burden because you admitted you're nothing and he's everything. And that's how far it needs to go. Not I'm kind of good. Not I'm not that bad. Not that I'm almost nothing. I am nothing. When you get to that willing, willing, willingly uh, stating that to God, he can set you free. He can, he can take the burdens off your shoulders. Because with God, without God, we are absolutely nothing. And a lot of people are going to find that out on the day they die. That's why Christ went to the cross for us, to set us free like this. This has been one of the primary purposes of this ministry that God's given us here, to set us free, to be sanctified, to be holy like God is holy. If we would just admit how bad we are and submit to his authority over our lives, we would save ourselves a lot of heartache and misery. And that would allow God to what we saw in Hebrews 12, 13, I think, to heal us. The purpose of the discipline is actually to heal us ultimately. We just get in the way. So this is a daily journey. Uh, I hope you see where the Spirit wants us to uh, think and, and grab onto. And the good news is we can start this right now. 
if you've been resisting God's discipline or you've been resisting repenting in a certain area of your life, this is a chance to go forward in humility and say, I suck. Yes, Lord, okay, I've been resisting you. I'm sorry in this area. This has been missing in my heart. I'm going to humble myself before you right now. And this goes to the next point of the board, which we'll spend a little time on before we close here. Next point on the board, always be open to correction. Always be open to correction. We should pray continually, Lord, correct me. Show me. Even after a victory, even after you finally like, give up in a certain area, like I got my butt kicked last month, and there was a certain relief and a, and a, and a, and a wonderful victory in that, and a, you know, it was God's victory. But even then, don't get arrogant. There's something else that God needs to show you next. There always is in this life. Lord, correct me. Show me. I want to know. I don't know what's best for me. You do. Always be open to correction. Proverbs 26.12, Romans 12.3, 1 Corinthians 3.18, 1 Corinthians 8.2, and Galatians 6.3. Turn in your Bibles to Romans 12, verse 3. As with any relief from the agony of self, it starts with admitting our arrogance. And that's what these scriptures are all basically about. And I hope this encourages us to daily ask God for direction, correction, and even discipline. Look at Romans 12.3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. That is a mouthful, everybody. To not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. And that is perpetual. Turn to 1 Corinthians 3.18. 1 Corinthians 3.18. <clears throat> this doesn't end until the day we die and we see the Lord face to face. The need for this humility and admitting our arrogance doesn't end until the day we die. I don't care if you're a Bible scholar. I don't care if you're 125 years old like John. It doesn't matter. Sorry, John. It doesn't matter. You are going to need to have this attitude in your heart until the day you die or you will experience unnecessary discipline and you will stunt your own spiritual growth where God wants to form you to the image of Christ. Look at 1 Corinthians 3, 18. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. Mm, a lot of wisdom. On the board, look at Proverbs 26, 12. Proverbs 26, 12. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Hmm. I think of how many people are wise in this world, right? They are intelligent. And because of their arrogance, there's more hope for a fool than for them. They'll be blind to the truth. Again, the point on the board, we are pondering. Always be open to correction. We should continually pray, Lord, correct me, show me. I want to know. I don't know what's best for me, but you do. Turn to 1 Corinthians 8, verse 2. 1 Corinthians 8, 2. All, it's funny, all these passages are about people that think they know something they don't know. And the deception that comes along with that. 1 Corinthians 8.2 If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. You might even have a lot of wisdom about something. But once, as soon as you think you know it and you're good, you're all set, you do not know as you ought to know. You just stymied your own growth and God's ability to show you more. 
and turn to Galatians 6.3. Galatians 6.3. It is amazing the power of an arrogant attitude, and it's also amazing the power of a humble attitude. God gives grace to the humble, right? Galatians 6.3. For if anyone thinks he is something... When he is nothing, he deceives himself. Plain and simple. Do you realize the immense value of honestly saying to yourself, I suck? <laughs> I'm sorry to keep saying it, but it's a, good, it's a good way to put it and to be honest and you know to be really forthright. If you're willing to go there, and it's a, that's a big question because some people... Even believers aren't willing to go there between them and the Lord and say this. But if you're willing to go there in your heart, God will set you free and empower you with a new life from His Word. In the middle of my week that was packed with discipline last month, as I was praying for help and guidance, by the grace of God alone, I looked out the window and I thanked God for the discipline. By the grace of God alone, trust me, I was so weak in that moment. But he showed me that he was working in me, and I was grateful. And that was a miracle, my friends. That's the work of God in our souls. And he does this in us at these times when we're, when we're really broken. And he, he, he works something in us because we're in that moment. We're so humble in that moment that he has an open door if you will. And he can pour more grace in, if you will. And he can show you something you need to see because you're finally on your knees. And then God does a miracle in your soul and he takes you to a new place, a place of humility, a place of um, loving him more even, like David. Thanking God for the rod and the staff and claiming it a comfort. So God loves us and He's so faithful to us, especially when we get on our knees. Again, the analogy is God makes diamonds with pressure and heat and time. Why do you think God gave us all these visual aids in nature in his creation? Just the same as with the refiner's fire that purifies metals like gold. Why, why are these given to us? Visual aids, right? For our spiritual walk. And by the way, how thankful do you think you will be when you get to heaven and you see the work he did in you and the finished product that he did in you and you really had nothing to do with it? You know, you went along in free, free will and in humility uh, at times. That's the best you could possibly even say. But he took you from an ugly, 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 ugly dark lump of coal to a diamond, but it took a whole lifetime, generally speaking. But behold the goodness and mercy of God. That's all I have to say, and that's all the scripture is going to say to us right now. Go to Psalm 23. Once again, go to Psalm 23. <clears throat> behold the goodness and mercy of God. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Behold the goodness and mercy of God. He will get it done in our lives. David knew how the story ends in verse 6. And you know what? So do we. 
so do we. We are victorious in Christ. And we will experience this victory in our lives when we have faith in His goodness. On the board, it says in Psalm 73, 1, Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. Again, God gives grace to the humble. So you know what? Have faith. Believe it. Believe that God gives grace to the humble. Believe that God is for you and not against you. Believe in your heart that God is good to those who seek Him, like His Word says. And some of you listening to my voice right now don't really believe this in your hearts. I've talked to some people that are believers. They're like, God doesn't really work in my life. He's not doing anything. I don't, sometimes I wonder if He's even there. Maybe it's a faith issue. If you believe in your heart that God is good to those who seek Him, you then allow God to act upon your faith. It's this very faith that He's waiting for, to just trust Him, that releases God's goodness in our lives and lets Him even show you the things He's doing. On the board, never forget Hebrews 11.6. This is so crucial to experiencing the goodness of God. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. If you're struggling or you don't seem to have that, go and pray to God in humility and ask Him for help and ask Him for faith. Because again, like came out on Sunday in James 4.8, he will come to you when you draw near to Him. Maybe you're not drawing near to Him. I'm just saying, maybe you're lazy and always trying to entertain yourself or so busy doubting God that you ignore Him. By the way, since we're talking about discipline, as we close here tonight, did you know God prefers you have your own discipline to follow Him and obey Him instead of waiting to be disciplined? Sound familiar to you, parents? What father doesn't prefer his son just obey and be loved? But no. We've got to push, push the envelope, don't we? We all learn the hard way in some areas of our lives, so that's just the reality of living in the flesh. But right now, you can repent about how much you suck. And you can decide, you can decide to discipline yourself. What do I mean by that? Let's use a different word. Self-control, anybody? Humility and self-control? Turn to Galatians 5.22. Galatians 5.22 as we close. <clears throat> just a few more minutes left but the, I hope again try to pay attention right now and again see what the spirit is driving at what's he trying to tell you Galatians 5 22 and 23 but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control against such things there is no law if there's no law against these things then there's no need to be disciplined when we live this way is there when we choose in humility to live this way to follow the spirit to be filled with the spirit to exercise self-control so on the board Take the initiative by faith. Instead of living for self and being undisciplined, maybe we should habitually repent and give God more time and attention like He deserves. That's what God showed me in my week of, <laughs> call it my hell week, I shouldn't call it that, but my very difficult week of discipline. That's what I learned. God deserves more of my time and attention and praise and 
gratitude and honoring Him. Instead of living for self and being undisciplined, maybe we should habitually repent and give God more time and attention like He deserves. 1 Corinthians 9.27 What did Paul say? I don't want to run the race and, and not discipline myself. I'm going to discipline myself and even my body so that I don't become disqualified out of the race. Self-control, right? Galatians 5.22 and 23. Hebrews 11.6 Repent of your lack of love towards Him. Repent of your selfishness. Repent of your disobedience. When we do that humbling thing before Him, He is free to bless us and show us the way. It opens the door to Him releasing wisdom to us, showing us things that we haven't seen, even about ourselves. But if we keep resisting His call and we refuse to discipline ourselves, then he, as a loving father, has no other choice but to discipline us. And the closing thought is, this is good. Even when he disciplines us, we should look forward to it. We should accept it and not grow weary, like Hebrews 12 says, because it's for our good and it's going to produce the peaceful fruit of righteousness that is priceless, irreplaceable, that is a million times more valuable than the discipline you actually go through to receive another little piece of the peaceful fruit of righteousness. It is good. And I hope you take that with you and, and grab onto it in your hearts. Let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word, shedding light on the truth um, in our lives, in this world. Father, we just ask that you help us remain in humility at all times, and even look forward to your correction and your discipline for us. We know, Father, you're good, you're faithful, you're loving, and on these things we, we plant ourselves. We just love you for that, and we ask that you help us to humbly accept the things we've learned tonight, help us think about these things and pray with you, alone with you, about these things so that we can draw closer to you and experience your peace. Father, we ask all these things based on the merits of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ alone. And it's by the power of the Spirit we pray. Amen. Thank you.